And you're listening to the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Alex Savage pushed back against. We have a couple things to talk about today. Of course, camp takeaways, the rant I'm going to plan on doing on Emmanuel Acho and the Joe Judge situation with him punishing players and making him pay for their mistakes. We have the Rays post-series recap. Obviously, the Yankees got swept by the Rays last series, which I'm not happy about, and I'm going to rant on one of the topics as well and take away from that series. And, of course, the Mets game and the whole series, the Subway series, got postponed, so we'll talk about that as well. Before we get to camp takeaways, I would like to discuss one topic, and, of course, that was one of the first topics I brought up, which was the Emmanuel Acho comment, followed by Shannon Sharp, Jeff Schwartz, and many others. So, the other day on... Speak for yourself, it was Marcellus Wiley and Emmanuel Acho doing that show. Of course, Jason Whitlock is no longer there, but this is a different topic, different story. They brought up the point about making coaches run and making players run for their mistakes. Emmanuel Acho basically goes, enjoy your 2-14 and season, and play the clip right here. That's the dumbest approach I've ever heard in my life. I wasn't going to let you finish the question. It's the dumbest. Giants fans, on behalf of everyone intelligent everywhere, I apologize for your 2-14 and 14 record this season. Oh. Um, I have to go ahead and apologize. And it's not your fault, Giants fans. It's not your fault that you have dedicated yourselves to an organization that is hiring a coach that is instilling imbecilic practices. <laughs> I'm not sure if, if imbecilic is a word, but the practices that Joe Judge are instilling are so dumb uh, uh. that imbecilic is the only word, uh, Marcellus, uh. that will fit. That is the only word that will fit the crime. Bro, you're a professional athlete. Yeah. That means you should be intrinsically motivated. Intrinsically motivated meaning motivation that comes from within. Mm-hmm. If you're not intrinsically motivated, then you're motivated extrinsically. Money, fame, females, whatever you want to call Here. it. All of those things work. Yeah. What doesn't work is fear-based motivation. Hey, if y'all mess up, y'all finna have to bear crawl. If y'all mess up, mm. y'all running wind sprints. Those are tactics you use on kids. And you use them on kids, and not baby goat kids. You use them on real kids, <laughs> peewee children, because you have no other way to motivate an eight-year-old than to say, hey, if you don't jump off, if you jump off sides, mm. you're going to have to run wind sprints. Mm. How are you about to make a 30-year-old grown man make man. 10 mil a year mm. run a wind sprint for an error? It's it's so dumb. But here's what's dumber. <laughs> this is, and I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry, actually. Don't be I'm not sorry. apologizing because don't you. judge you're tripping. <laughs> Everybody, bro, you leave Bill Belichick and you want to uh, emulate the Bill Belichick way. Well, I saw Bill do this, so I'm going to do You're not Bill Belichick, you bro. Him. Imagine being so immature to say something like that. He should know how it is to work or at least to be under somebody who's hard-nosed and has their team play hard-nosed. My friends, that's Tom Coughlin. He played with Tom Coughlin in 2013 when he was on the Giants practice squad. Sure, he wasn't on the active roster, but he knew who Tom Coughlin was. And fun fact, everybody, on April 11, 2013, he was actually traded to the Eagles from the Browns for Deion Lewis. So that's a giant connection. My point is here that he's a clown, and that was a dumb take. You know, it's not the best thing for all teams, especially when the last couple of years for this team has been pure shit. It's not the best thing to have a player-friendly coach. Because everybody's tried that. Tried that with McAdoo. But when he got tired of it, he started suspending people. And when Shermer came in, not a lot of people liked him. Odell didn't like him. He traded him. Meaning Gettleman because Shermer didn't get along with him. And we all knew that Odell was going to bitch and moan if he was still here and this team wasn't winning. Because the team was not going to win. 
I'm sorry for your 2-14 season. How about you take a look at the roster? How about you just take a look at the beat writers and what they're saying, huh? Oh, no, because it's, you know, it's a paid take. Obviously. I want Jason Whitlock back. That's what I want. But obviously, Fox has their own thing. But this is the only way for this guy to get recognition, is make paid takes. And obviously, that's projected on Fox Sports. That is recreating his career right now and not so much in a good way because he had a failed NFL career because he probably sucked as a player. I mean, I don't know much about him. I know he has a brother named Sam Macho who used to play for the Buccaneers last year. That's how a lot of broadcasters do it, everybody. They're trying to recreate their careers that they failed in when they were a player. You know, it's one thing to analyze why you make a take, but it's also another reason to make a phony take and put phony evidence behind it. Last two years... Ben McAdoo and Pat Shermer were the worst thing for this team. McAdoo was player-friendly at the beginning, and all the locker room problems happened. Shermer comes in. He's not a good coach. He doesn't make adjustments at halftime. The difference between that coaching staff and this coaching staff. Players are held accountable. That's a good thing, because they will realize their mistakes. Will it work out in the long run? I don't know. He does have a point about this Belichick thing, though, because Patricia, he freaking sucks in Detroit right now. Darius Slay? He left, apparently, because Patricia treated him like he was a child and treated the whole team like they were babies. No one else has come up and said, hey, this is true. But I'm not doubting it. I mean, you take a look at the team. They haven't done good in the past couple of years, at least the last two under Patricia. I think Caldwell was probably a better coach at this point. Everybody does make a point about how a lot of guys under Belichick don't work when they come out of New England. Nate Solder is a player. He sucked here. Josh McDaniels, when he left to coach the Broncos, he sucked there. Patricia sucking right now. Bill O'Brien, yeah, he won some games and was in the playoffs and everything, but Super Bowl? No. Hopkins left there because O'Brien apparently didn't treat him like he wanted to. But my point is, you have people taking accountability now. Saquon and Daniel Jones, you know, those guys are running laps now. And they held each other accountable for it. In the case that Saquon took a lap by himself, that's a leader. Everybody's talking about, oh, Saquon needs to be a leader, not Daniel Jones. Well, Saquon is a leader, and he took a lap for himself and took accountability. With this coaching staff, they teach you. They don't just say, okay, do this drill, next guy up. No, they teach you. Jerome Henderson, Burton Burns, all these guys, all these guys come in to teach these guys. That's what Joe Judge is preaching from day one. And Trey Wingo said on 987 ESPN the other day, he's like, you know, Joe Judge is always talking about himself and this is the player he is, not about his players. Where have you been watching? Where have you been? Are you on Mars or something? No, you're not. You're on planet Earth and you just choose not to listen to the facts. I get the Giants haven't been well in the last couple of years and I know I might be biased when I sound like this, but it's true. Joe Judge implemented the teaching of players the last two years. Everybody would have crapped on the Giants if they kept Pat Shermer. Everybody would have crapped on them because Betcher's scheme didn't work, Shula, his offensive coordinating, and then Shermer's play calling was a bunch of crap. Everybody knows that New York would have been shitted on if they kept Shermer. And I would have shitted on them too, to be honest with you. But pay attention to the beat media for once. They are valuable during this time. When you can't go in and when you can't see it for yourself and go to the training camp facility, they are there and they are watching with their eyes. They're not stupid at this point. I think he's trying to make paid takes now because he's off 98.7 ESPN. Golik and Wingo's off ESPN. They have another show at 6 to 10 in the morning. And he goes on the Michael K. Show Weekly, and a lot of people got pissed off at that take because you're not watching the press conferences. You're not watching the beat media press conferences. You're not watching what's on the field. And for Emmanuel Acho and Trey Wingo, 
you guys should take a lap with Joe Judge and see if he actually beats you out because you guys probably haven't had physical activity in so many years it's not even funny. But also listen to the people that came out of New England. A lot of different coaches says he possessed himself well. Unlike Josh McDaniels arguing with Tom Brady all the time over offensive plays and shit, you actually have a coach who possesses himself and actually has a personality and doesn't say Belichick, 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 Belichick. No. But you don't pay attention to the facts, that's your issue. And you know what? If you want to take criticism, take criticism. But don't take criticism in a way that you start blocking fans. I don't know if any of them did yet, but if they do, it's a very poor behavior by them because they're making those takes, they're not looking at the facts, and they're getting criticized by Giants fans, and they should. And they're saying, oh, what did I do wrong? You made a stupid take by not looking at evidence, and now you're being criticized for it, but you're going to block people. That just makes a lot of sense, everybody. Bunch of idiots out there. Bunch of idiots. And you know what? Steven A. have a problem with, but he's kept his mouth shut lately from what I'm hearing. But remember when he criticized, oh, the Giants didn't take Makai Becton or Isaiah Simmons. They took Andrew Thomas. Well, everybody pointed out why Thomas was a better pick than those two. Simmons, he would have been just a linebacker. He wouldn't have been flying all over the field. He would not have been a Dion Buchanan. And Becton is a bit of a project. Thomas, face better competition in college. You can make the same case for Jedrick Wills. But face better competition in college and not just being Louisville. He was at the University of Georgia. And he faced better pass rushers and did well against them. Clavin Chison from the Jaguars. Look at his tape. The one practice against Chase Young. Look at that tape. But no. That's a problem with the sports broadcasting business in the last couple of years. I mean, it's been that way. But also, just making uneducated takes. Is making a take and then providing some evidence and not watching the film. Or at least doing research. For some people that actually want to get out there in the business and actually provide evidence and more valuable takes, they're being overshadowed by these frauds, and that's upsetting. But anyway, let's go into the camp takeaways. So the Giants had their scrimmage today. Everyone was excited about it, or at least to hear about it. They're not streaming it because they want to give the Steelers or any other team some unfair advantages. So let's take away from camp just generally and some stuff also today. So... Benjamin Victor, he's been very impressive. I like the kid. I obviously posted about him on Twitter and my favorite touchdown against Penn State going back to two years ago, I believe it was. Um, James Bradbury, he's struggled in camp so far. He's given up touchdowns to Victor, Mack, Austin Mack out of Ohio State as well, and David Sills, the West Virginia undrafted free agent from the Bills last year. I mean, he's made batted passes on reports from the beat media, but in camp, he struggled with coverage and that's something he needs to work on especially if he's going to be the starting cornerback and leading these young pups Colt McCoy he's been a good backup so far I've heard a lot of good things about him Derek Dillon he's made some flashy plays especially in the one-on-ones and the other drills that the wide receivers have been doing if you've been watching Giants training camp report and a look inside Giants training camp obviously some days they'll see the corners and then the offensive line the wide receivers running backs obviously running backs I believe was yesterday and today, obviously, was the scrimmage, so they'll probably talk about that later. Obviously, I mentioned David Sills. He looks pretty impressive so far, getting the touchdowns on James Bradbury. He also got one on Grant Haley. I'm going to talk about him in just a little bit. Darnay Holmes is growing. He made an interception off Daniel Jones today. I'm pretty sure he might have fumbled it. Nick Gates and Spencer Pulley have been interchanging at the center one position, obviously. 
It's an open competition so far, and Mark Colombo has endorsed that multiple times. So we don't know who's going to start there first, but it definitely looks like Cameron Fleming is going to start at right tackle to start, and Pert could ease his way in. But but Matt Pert has had a good camp so far, and I very much applaud that. Some notes from Tom Rock of Newsday. Jones was 14 for 25 in the scrimmage, two touchdowns and one interception. On the last drive, he was 5 for 6. And a touchdown to Caden Smith. So a very good drive on the last drive. Obviously improved a couple drives after the interception. Cooper Rush and Alex Tanney, also Colt McCoy, also played. If you look at my Big Blue in the Bronx Instagram story, you'll see all the tweets from Paul Dettino and the other beat writers as well who were there and who were basically doing the play-by-play tweets. And obviously another takeaway, as I mentioned before, Joe Judge is making his players accountable for their mistakes as well as the coaches as well obviously I mentioned that in the Emmanuel Acho rant but I've never seen that before but if it works out coaches can become better and obviously the players as well making themselves accountable maybe we'll see Joe Judge for a lap or two oddly enough so I want to talk about Grant Haley real quick I did an article about him on last word on sports I'll send it out when I'm done of course but Grant Haley is a topic to talk about and I haven't discussed him a lot, but especially in this time, it's a good topic to discuss. Now, obviously, the cornerback room is full of youths. Chris Williamson, the seventh-round draft pick out of Minnesota. Sam Beal has opted out. DeAndre Baker's on the exemplist, so you got Love, who could possibly play corner, but we don't know that for sure. We don't know what Graham wants to do with him. Darnay Holmes, who's had an impressive camp so far. We've had James Bradbury, of course, the eldest in that room. We have Coy Ballantyne, who is still trying to fasten up his mistakes and do better than last year. Obviously, he was misplaced in the slot, much like Grant Haley. But Haley has somewhat of an opportunity this year. Beal and Baker both are not on the football field right now. And Baker, we'll see about, but Beal, not for the rest of the year. And he could be cut, possibly, next preseason. But that's in the future. Let's talk about Grant Haley right now. So, obviously... 10 to 15 games, that's a jump for Grant Haley. Those are the games he appeared in from 2018 to 2019. Obviously, he was uploaded from the practice squad in October of 2018, and he played in more games once Eli Apple was traded. So, 10 games appeared in 2018, 15 games in 2019. He started three games in 2019. Obviously, every corner struggled in 2019. DeAndre Baker, Coy Ballantyne, Sam Beal when he got on the field, everybody struggled. But let's take a look at some of the stats from Grant Haley, some of the advanced defensive stats. Now, in his rookie year, he was targeted 36 times, had 23 completions on him with a 63.9 completion percentage, gave up 298 yards, 13 yards per completion, 8.3 yards per target, and four touchdowns with 126.9 passer rating, 113 air yards, 185 yards after the catch. Now, on the pass rush side, obviously, James Betcher was a big blitz guy, so... He had 15 blitzes, caused two hurries, and two pressures, of course. And in the tackling range, obviously, we know he's a big tackler. 33 combined tackles, one missed tackle, 2.9 missed tackle percentage. Now, missed tackles was a very big problem for the Giants in the past two years, especially with Curtis Riley in 2018. Now, let's go a year forward. Now, 39 targets. 32 completions, 82.1 completion percentage. That's about 18.2 points up. 342 yards, 10.7 yards per completion, 8.8 per target, one touchdown, 111.8 in the passer rating column, 195 air yards, 
147 yards after the catch, 11 blitzes, 2 hurries, 1 sack, 3 pressures, 43 tackles, 3 missed tackles, 6.5 missed tackle percentage. So the Giants could look at this in two ways. Either, okay, he's from last year, let's give the other corners a chance and put him on the practice squad or cut him. Now, one of the first things Joe Judge said in his opening press conference is, we're going to play players of their strengths. Now, Grant Haley, he was put in the slot a lot, and he didn't do so well. Obviously, he had that big game against Adam Thielen where he struggled a whole lot and gave up a touchdown, as did the Giants' defense. But that's a whole different story, a whole different topic. Now, one of his strengths is tackling. He loves to tackle in the box and... Betcher put him there, or at least situationally at different points in the game, made some tackles for a loss in the backfield. Basically, the point I'm alleviating to is that he's good in the run game. Now, the problem with him in coverage is that he's very undersized, and he's 5'10", and receivers are like 6'1", 6'2", 6'3", that he goes up against, Adam Thielen being one of them, of course, and in camp, he hasn't done well. We haven't heard his name called in a positive way. Gave up a touchdown to David Sills. Gave up another touchdown to somebody else. I think it was Austin Mack, I want to say. So it's not a good route for him so far in camp. And I feel like that he's going to be cut. But for him to save himself, or at least have the coaches save him from getting cut, play him to his strength and make him, I don't know, an undersized linebacker or put him on special teams. That's the way he's going to make the roster. As much as it is a DB system and a clean slate for most of the people on the roster, they want to have the best 53 possible. That is your objective every time you make preseason cuts. And I'm pretty sure Joe Judge does not want to screw up on that, especially when you have young players trying to develop, and you have one player that just keeps making mistakes and isn't a fit for your roster. But let's go to the Yankee subjects now. But first, looking for the coolest gaming gear to finish your setup? Are you not willing to buy the same headphones at Best Buy or GameStop because a week later you have to come back for a refund? That is where alltodowithgaming.com comes into play. They sell the best gaming technology from gaming computers, monitors, and laptops to light up keyboards, chairs, headphones, and more. Get 30% off your entire order with the promo code BIGBLUE30. That is BIGBLUE30. Stop being ripped off by GameStop and other big stores and go to alltodowithgaming.com now. You won't regret it. So, let's get to the Yankees topics first, and I'm going to include a rant on this. Now, let's do some takeaways. Obviously, we got swept by the Rays, and this postponing of the whole series with the Subway Series is not a good thing for us. The Rays are still playing, and right now, they're eligible to take the division. Well, not take the division, but at least have a lead in it. And that could become a pretty big lead, because they play the Blue Jays. And the Blue Jays are not really that good this year. Now let's do some takeaways, finally. We suck against the Rays. Let's be honest, everybody. They are our kryptonite. We are 1-6 against the Rays this season. I never thought that would happen, but it's happened. The bullpen is 0-2 in this series. One being Britain in Game 2, Adovino being Game 3. It seems like last year our bullpen was dominant, but it's shit this year. Gleyber Torres got injured. We don't know what his story is. Zach Britton got injured. He's on the IL with a hamstring strain. Paxton, MRI, flexor strain. He's not getting Tommy John. That's a good thing, but he needs to pitch. He needs to seriously start pitching. Tanaka struggled in game one. Lost that game. Andujar sent back down. I'm going to rant on that in a minute. Bullpen, as I mentioned, sucks. Sucks. 
And if you saw my Twitter a couple of weeks ago, or a couple of days ago, I should say, there was this guy, Chris Moore. He was ranting on the Yankees because apparently they didn't make the championship last year or didn't have a good team or whatever. Spoiled Yankee fan. I'm not being spoiled right here. We have a short season, and a lot of these decisions coming from the front office or Aaron Boone should not be made. Honestly. People are swinging for the home run. Obviously, that's what the Yankees are all about. They're swinging for the home run. They're not eligible for base hits. Tyler Wade swinging for the home run. Everybody's swinging for the home run. And finally, Boone pinch hit Tyro Estrada for Clint Frazier and Miguel Andujar for Mike Talkman. I don't know how people can defend him about this analytics bullshit. What analytic tells you to pinch hit Tyro Estrada for Clint Frazier? Frazier, who's been hitting decent. Now, Estrada, you can make some case for, oh, speed. Frazier is more of a guy that will get a base hit. Estrada is a pinch runner. And Miguel Andujar for Mike Talkman? Are you serious? What analytic tells you to do that? Everybody could sit here and say, oh, Boone needs to be fired. Oh, Girardi wouldn't do this. Well, Girardi, I don't think would do this. And I'm not going to sound like a spoiled Yankees fan here and say that Aaron Boone didn't bring us 200 win seasons in a row. I'm not going to say that. Because his coaching, his managing, and the players work together for two 100-plus win seasons in a row. Obviously, this year it's not going to happen unless you win 100 games and 60 games, which doesn't make any sense if you do the math correctly. Now, Miguel Andujar, hitting on 95. He got sent down yesterday. He got sent down yesterday. Miguel Andujar, hitting 95. If you look at his terrible at-bat from when he pinch hit for Mike Talkman, you should have known, or at least should have seen, that that was a bad decision. Mike Talkman, after yesterday, guess what he's hitting, everybody? 333. Mike Talkman is hitting 333. You kidding me? I don't know how you make that decision. You know, a lot of people say, oh, you know, why are people always saying, oh, Joe wouldn't have done this? Joe would have used common sense. That's the issue. A lot of the decisions that Boone has made has affected games in a spiral fashion. Yesterday, talking about spiral decisions, he put Luis Avalon in after Adovino was struggling. What kind of sense is that when Chad Green is in the bullpen? What kind of sense is that? And he put Luis Sessa in the ninth inning, giving up a two-run shot, making it a 10-5 game, easily not comebackable. Meaning in the case that we had an 8-5 game, okay, maybe we'll have a rally in our bones. Nope, 10-5, two-run home run. This bullpen has been so leaky this year, it's not even funny. Brooks Crisk, honestly, I wasn't fair about him in spring training. Bring him up. The Yankees just traded for a reliever from the Phillies. His name is Addison Russ. He's going to the alternate site. I don't know if he has any MLB experience. I'm going to take a look at that now. But we traded David Hale, which is a good thing because I hated David Hale. I hated him coming out of the bullpen. Chapman is back, and I swear to God, if our setup reliever is Luis Avalon or somebody who's been very inconsistent, somebody like Luis Sessa, I'm not going to be happy. Because you have a 60-game season. You're not even in the lead of a division right now. The Rays are leading the division. The Orioles are slowly up and coming and could take that spot if we start losing a bunch of games. Because our record's 16-9 and right now. And with the Mets postponing the whole series because two COVID tests being positive, I don't know how the Yankees are going to do it. Obviously, extended playoffs is a gift for us in some cases if we just sit here and slack off. But it's also not a good thing. 
Because what if we win the division? Oh, that's right. We got to verse the Rays. And most likely one of the cases, if it's first round, second round, I don't care. The Rays have our balls right now. They are our kryptonite. And if the Yankees don't know how to control it with their starting pitching, Paxton, Hap, whatever, the bullpen not producing... It's going to be a tough year for the Yankees. And yes, this year is weird. We all get it. COVID and the two positive tests from the Mets. But you have to make do of the situation you're in. I say this about football. I say this about baseball. It's going to be a weird year, everybody. And buckle in for it. And it has been already. And it's going to get a lot weirder once we get to the fall. Because if the Yankees don't even fix their bullpen or at least do something about their starting pitching, and at least move on from this type of management. I'm not talking about moving on from Aaron Boone. I'm not saying that. But when it's so analytics-based that it's in your head, and you think you're so smart with the analytics, and it's the front office too, it's the front office too, and the way they use analytics, that everybody's going to be swinging for the home run, and the fact that it's going to get so far in your fucking head that Andujar is going to pinch hit for Mike Talkman. Andujar is a 0.95 average. So I don't know where Aaron Boone's head is, but it's probably in his ass, and he should get it out of there. Just for record, we do face the Rays one more time. And we're going to be facing a lot of teams that could possibly be competitive. We versus the Braves next Tuesday. The week after that, we versus the Rays again. This season is not a cakewalk, but Boone shouldn't be treating it like we're the best team in the league right now. Because we're not. Because if we can get past the Braves, but we can't pass the Rays... I don't know what he's thinking in terms of playoffs. And you know what? Yes, extended playoffs could be a good thing, but it could also be a bad thing with the Rays. So the Yankees need to figure out over this three-day weekend what to do and what to do in these situations and how to lighten the fuck up. I don't have much on the postponement of the Mets series other than the two positive tests because a lot of the pitchers that they were supposed to send out were shitty pitchers. Robert Zellman... Rick Porcello. But then again, what would the Yankees have done? We would have probably gotten swept or something. Who knows? We would have gotten swept or something or have the series taken from us. Because at this ego, at this rate, we don't know what the hell's going to happen. And Boone better have his team better than they were against the Rays. Because if you don't win the season series, and it looks like at this point they won't, because you still play three games against them. But we are 1-6, people. 1-6 against the Rays. This is the Rays we're talking about. The Rays, every other day, set out a bullpen pitcher to pitch, and they pitching a no-hitter against the Yankees. That's not literal, but that is the point I'm trying to get across, that they are literally dominating us every time they face us. I'm not saying you have to win every game. I'm not saying you have to win every series. But when there's 60 games and these decisions come up and decide to ruin our games, well, someone needs to do something about it or someone needs to show up. That's what I have to say about that. But anyway, thank you guys for listening to the podcast episode. I know I've ranted a lot, but that's for my entertainment and your entertainment as well. If it is still up on Twitter, I doubt it will be by the time this podcast episode comes out. Go follow the Bracketeers and vote for us. We are losing right now in the polling to Grown Man Pod. Shoutouts to them. We are currently losing 28 to 62. If you guys could still vote for us. Still, we have a chance. But if it is not up by the time the podcast episode is released, then at least we know you guys have our support. Thank you guys for supporting. Remember, our podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, soon to be Amazon Music, but also Apple Podcasts, Google Play, CastBox, Overcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and also our social media pages at Big Blue in the Bronx on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you guys, and we will see you next week.